a previously recorded Matt Slick show. It's Matt Slick Live. Matt is the founder and president of the Christian Apologetics Research Ministry, found online at CARM.org. When you have questions about Bible doctrines, turn to Matt Slick Live for answers. Taking your calls and responding to your questions at 877-207-2276. Here's Matt Slick. All right, welcome everyone. It's me, Matt Slick, and you're listening to Matt Slick Live. For the newbies, if you're tuning in new... That's my real name, Matt Slick. How about that? Reverend Slick. If you want to give me a call, we have five open lines. Love to hear from you. 877-207-2276. And uh, we're sitting right here. It's a nice Friday. Of course, the election results are not in yet. And uh, that is a, you know, it's a little bit disconcerting sometimes. But that's just how it is in this, uh, in, in this crazy world of ours right now. And uh, we just got to remember that God's in control. He allows certain things to happen for certain reasons, and uh, as Christians, we need to trust Him. And as I, I have a saying, trust Him beyond our ability to understand. And uh, you know, that reminds me. There's a, there's a scripture that uh, is probably worth focusing on right now a little bit, considering everything that's going on. Um, <clears throat> it says this in Philippians four six, seven, and eight. These are great verses. Be anxious for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there's any excellence, and if anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. So that those are good words. That's Philippians 4 verses uh, 6, 7, and 8. So it's like 4, 6, you know, 4, 6, 8. But uh, 4, 6, uh, start there, and you can read uh, just for nothing. Now, for someone like myself, who's a type A personality, uh, the doer, uh, it's a little bit difficult for me to uh, to submit to that scripture because I get anxious because I have so many things to do. The challenge is to learn how to trust God through everything. I'll tell you, it's not easy. You know, it's just not easy um, because, uh, you know, we have life issues, all of us do, you know. We have rent and family problems and automobile problems and, you know, health issues and work stuff. I mean, there's always something. And it's very, very rarely that we have these moments where we have no pressure on us and everything's fine. But uh, we are, are called to be, uh, you know, trusting in Christ. And I'll tell you, it's, it's tough. I admit it's tough. We don't always do it, and that's okay. But you know, it does say, "Be anxious for nothing," and and everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. So, you know, if we're trusting God in prayer and everything, I think that we won't be as anxious as we're, you know, as we need to be. It is a it is a difficult time, and it's a difficult thing sometimes to trust Him. But as you're praying, you know, the peace of God will guard us. So it's just a good word. You know, it's just a good word. And, uh, you know, I need to hear that. I know that you do, too. And a lot of people do. All right. Hey, folks, look, if you uh, want to give me a call and you want to talk, all you have to do is dial 877-207-2276. We have five open lines. And for those of you who are in the chat area, if you want to type a question out, I can address it that way as well. Just read it and address it. 
Um, so fighting a bit of a head cold here. This COVID's going around. My wife has it, and um, so yeah, I've been exposed to it for uh, days and days, and uh, just you know moving slowly, but getting it, getting things done, getting things done. So uh, there you go. My yeah, that's right. People are asking how my wife's doing. She's she's uh, the fever's going down. She's starting starting to get better after the eighth day of fever. So praise God. You know she doesn't like me saying too much over the radio about her. Except that she's a good woman, nice looking, bad taste in men, and she loves the Lord. You know, that's my wife described very quickly there. So uh, she's a good woman, except for her taste in men. That's what I like to say. She looks like a, you know, how the women look, women look good, you know. Uh, women just look good. Uh, men, you know, we look like a, a bag of logs. And women, they just look good. And uh, she looks good. She could have gotten anybody. And she lowered her standards substantially, and here we are married later on. All right, like I said, five open lines. I want you to give me a call, 877-207-2276. And if you are interested in checking out some theology, you want to learn some theology, we have three online schools. I do recommend them. Yes, I did write them, and yes, I'm a little bit prejudiced about them, but I can tell you this. I've spent uh, many, many decades learning theology on the streets and in seminary and in college, and I know what is needed and what is necessary in order for people to understand the basics and a little bit more of the basics of the Christian faith. So I've in, in, uh, included a lot of this material in the uh, School of Theology, Apologetics, and Critical Thinking. So this is not something you just get out of a book, copy a sentence, put it down there. No, 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 no. This is stuff that I know actually works, actually is relevant, and actually is important. So if you're interested in checking some things out, you want to learn your theology, and it's not that hard. There's 90 lessons, but they're short lessons. And you can just go through them at your own pace. And they are just sequential. And one thing leads to another. And you have a little uh, area where you can ask questions or answer questions. And it's just self-guided and self-this, self-that. It's not a big deal. You can do that and check things out. It's real easy to do. And people have, uh, you know, thousands and thousands of people have signed up for them. We've got lots of praise reports from them. People have really appreciated them, so you can check them out. And as I always say, that we uh, we you know we keep um, the lights on by, with those schools. You know we charge for them. But as I've always you know I just tell you, if you want those schools and you can't afford them, just email us and say I, I just need the schools. But I can't afford them. Can you give them to me? Matt said so on the radio. That's it. That's all you got to do. And uh, we'll just we don't ask any questions. We don't worry about it. We just go, there you go. Access is granted, and um, you can get in. Because our goal is to equip the body of Christ, not to make cash. That's not our, our goal. But we do have to keep the lights on and pay the missionaries and things like that. So, you know, there, there you go. All right, let's get on the phones here. We have three open lines. Uh, let's get to, uh, let's see, the number is, excuse me, just got a little distracted here. Uh, two, uh, 877, wow. Eight seven seven two zero seven two two seven six. Give me a call. Three open lines. Steve from Utah. You're on the air. Hello. Hi, Matt. How are you? Oh, doing all right. Hanging in there. What do you got, buddy? Yeah. Hey, I just uh, I was wondering what your take on near death experiences are. Is that something that's occultic or anything that we should even even consider what's going on? I mean, I don't I don't sure. really know. Well, let me uh, let me do this. I'm going to go to, uh, excuse me, I'm fighting a cough because of uh, COVID stuff uh, in the house. I don't know if I have it or not, mm-hmm. but uh, probably not. So that's why I'm, I'm coughing periodically, turning the mic down. Let me go to Second uh, Corinthians uh, 12, and then I'm going to talk about some stuff here. This is what it says in Second Corinthians 12, 2. I know a man in Christ 
who, 14 years ago, whether in the body or I do not know, or out of the body I do not know, God knows, such a man was caught up into the third heaven. And I know how such a man, whether in the body or apart from the body I do not know, God knows, was caught up into paradise and heard inexpressible words which a man is not permitted to speak. So it, most people think, most scholars think, there's probably Paul talking about himself when he was uh, left outside the city stoned and he had an NDE. That's what they call it, you know, near-death experience. And in the body or out of the body, right there is the clue. And he saw things. So is it possible? It certainly seems to be the case right there. Now, I've actually studied NDEs, near-death experiences, and um, read more than one book, uh, gone through more than one book on, on them. What convinces me that there's some legitimacy to them, I got noise in the background there, I, mean, I don't know what, what you're doing, but uh, maybe if you could... Yeah, if you could. Okay, there you go. Is that better? That's that's much better. Yeah, like you're tumbling down okay. a hillside. So uh, <clears throat> I've read NDEs accounts where people who are born blind have never seen. They have family members in a hospital, either emergency surgery or whatever surgery, and they have died, so to speak, uh, on the table. And they have, uh, when they wake up, legally they've recovered, they've actually described different people and they were able to recognize people not by sight but by voice and they would point hey you were here you were over there you were over there and there's no way to explain that other than uh, right the nde uh was legit and the bible does say that you know the soul continues on after the body unlike the uh i don't know you're dragging bodies around there man you what do you got going on man run down the hill there so, uh, so, is that better? <laughs> Try that again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's best if because uh, you see, you gotta understand. When people are doing things on the on when they're on the phone. A lot of people are on the yeah. radio, listening in the cars on the freeways and and they hear sounds. I turn the radio can, down and okay. They hear sounds that can imitate the sounds of a car. It can distract them, and so we want to make sure that uh, you know, kind of clear there. So uh, anyway, that's my view. I think the, there's some legit- legitimacy to them. We can't just throw them all out uh, all at once, particularly since Second Corinthians two, excuse me, Second Corinthians twelve two through four, seems to support that idea. Okay. Okay. Well, yeah, I just I read some stuff about a doctor, and I can't remember his name. He was a brain surgeon, and uh, he'd actually said that he'd seen a sister that he never even knew she had died before he was even wow. born. So I, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know if this is the dying brain or for what's going on. I mean, I fully believe in heaven and Christ. Right. Uh, and I've been a, been a born-again Christian for the last three or four years. So, well, in Second Samuel 28, there's the account of the witch of Endor. And uh, Saul, uh, they have, let's just say it this way, uh, he comes back. And right. summoned. So this happens, all right? So first Samuel twenty actually. All right. So you know, it's something seems to be, be going on. Uh, we can't yeah, look into them that's too much. Kind of what though. I thought. Yeah. Okay. Well I appreciate it. All right. Okay, yeah. man. Sounds Thank good, you. buddy. All right. God, God bless. bless all right, that was Steve from Utah, folks. We have four wide-open lines. Why don't you give me a call? 877-207-2276. Solomon from Florida, welcome. You are on the air. Hey, how you doing? Doing all right. Hanging in there. What do you got, buddy? 
so I was wondering about what's your interpretation of Matthew 24 verses 36 to uh, 51? And is it a command? Go ahead. Uh, I was wondering if it's a command from Jesus whether or not we should actually be interpreting end times prophecy. Uh, because it seems to me that Jesus is kind of saying, like, if you're interpreting these things, you're actually looking at it the wrong way. So I was just wondering what your interpretation is. Well, it's, uh, it's quite a pericope to, to read. Let me go through it. And uh, the first section, 36 through 41, is really important. Uh, but of the day or the hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven nor the Son of Man. Uh, nor the son but the father alone incidentally what that means is that uh, it deals with the wedding feast of the time when a bride and a groom were betrothed they had to know the day of the wedding so that relatives food uh, wine could be uh, produced and delivered and so they had to know and it wasn't just a shotgun wedding on the back of somebody's uh, you know yard no, it was a big celebration and uh, the the son's job was to build on to the house an extra room so that when the father would say, now you go get your bride, which is always on that day, it was an idiomatic phrase, you know, now you go get your bride. Wow. And he would go with the trumpeters who had to be on hold, on waiting, and they would go get the bride and come back to that, that place. And so you'll know that Jesus says, I go to prepare a place for you, and I will come and receive you back to my own. He's re- He's talking about the wedding feast. And one of the idiomatic phrases that the friends of the son would say is, when is your dad going to let you in? Go get him. He would say, no one knows the day nor the hour as a father alone. It was a phrase, an idiom, idiomatic expression. Now, we've got more right. to talk about after the break. So hold on, okay, folks. We'll be right back after these messages. Please stay tuned. It's Matt Slick Live, taking your calls at 877-207-2276. Here's Matt Slick. All right, everybody, welcome back to the show. Let's, uh, let's see, three open lines if you want to give me a call, 877-207-2276. Solomon from Florida, welcome back. You there? How's it going? All right, man. So you want me to continue with this stuff? Uh, yeah, absolutely. That was a, I love that interpretation. I've, I've actually never heard that before. So I'd like yeah. to read expand on that a little bit. Yeah, do some research on it. Um, it just has to do with the wedding feast. And not many people know about it. And I forgot where I learned it, but, uh, you know, I've studied so much over the years. So uh, I remember that I, I was at a conference and we were out eating afterwards. And this Jewish guy who was a Christian, uh, very Jewish, very Christian, loved the Lord. And, uh, he heard me talk about this, and he said he was amazed. He says he's never heard of a Gentile ever ever knowing about it. <laughs> I got a yeah. kick out of it. He said, you're right. I said, no, thanks. But um, for it also says there, it says, for the coming of the Son of Man will be just like the days of Noah. Yeah. Now, what I have on my screen, my computer, is Matthew 24, 37, and Luke seventeen twenty six, which says the same thing. Because it says in in Luke 17, just as it ha- happened in the days of Noah, so shall it be the days of the coming of the Son of Man. In verse 37 of Matthew 24, the coming of the Son of Man would just like the days of Noah. So he's saying the same thing. Okay? And it says they were eating, they were drinking, they are giving in marriage till the day that Noah entered the ark. They did not understand till the flood came and took them all away. And in, that's Matthew 24. Um, and in Luke 17, 
It says they were eating, they were drinking, they were giving in marriage till the day that Noah entered the ark and a flood came and destroyed them all. So the ones who are eating and drinking and marrying are the ones who are destroyed. Right. And so most people think that this is a rapture verse. It is not. The rapture right. occurs, but it's elsewhere. And uh, so this is about destruction of the wicked. And it says two men will be in the field, one is taken, one is left. It's the wicked who are taken. And so when you go to Matthew 13, which I do this for uh, for people, Matthew 13, 30, um, where it's the, the parable of the wheat and the tares, where people say, uh, you know, I mean, uh, where Jesus says, you know, allow both to go together, you know, the wheat and the tares. Allow, allow them both to grow. But first, gather up the tares and bind them in bundles to burn them. But gather the wheat into the barn. So Jesus says the first ones gathered uh, at the end of the harvest are the wicked. That's what he says. Yeah. And in Matthew 24, uh, it's the wicked who are taken. And in Luke 17, they ask Jesus, well, where are they taken? And he actually answers the question. So the people who are taken, one in the field, one is left, one is taken. They ask him where? And he says in uh, Luke 17, 37, where the body is, there also the vultures will be gathered. They're taken to a place of death and destruction. All right, so that's what's going on there. And if you go to the second part of the pericope, therefore be on the alert for you do not know uh, which day your Lord is coming. But be sure of this, that if the, the head of the house had known at what time of the night the thief was coming, he would have been on the alert and would not have allowed his house to be broken into. For this very reason, I say, be ready. The Son of Man is coming at an hour when you do not think he will. Uh, and that's interesting, you know, you don't think he will. A lot of people say that he's going to happen, you know, at a certain day. Well, I, I, okay, then don't they read Matthew twenty-four forty-four? It won't happen when you think so. Also, think about this. If it's pre-tribulation rapture, according to the theology of pre-tribulation rapture, seven years later, that's when Jesus returns. All you got to do is add seven years to the day of the rapture, and you'll know when he returns. So, so wow. you know that that to me, when Jesus says, "No man will know," he says, "The Son of Man is coming at an hour when you do not think he will." Well, wow. I'm sorry, but if it was seven year tribulation period, seven years later he comes back, you'd know. Yeah, so it would be sometime within that seven year, or like on the, that year, or, unless you're mid mid trip. But uh, yeah, but uh, okay. there's different views. But if it's a you know, anyway, there's a problem there. Who then is the faithful and sensible slave whom his master put in charge of the household to give them their food at the proper time? Blessed is the slave whom his master finds doing uh, when he comes. Now, this is really important because... Now, I, I don't believe in pre-trib What's that? I said this is what got me to thinking... Cause I hear a lot of... Uh, I was actually uh, discussing with another Christian the other day, and uh, there's a lot of... Uh, conspiracy out there and things like that and I think some Christians get pulled into this uh, mindset where we're always looking for the end of the world we're always constantly looking for these signs and these things but I feel that that's kind of a perversion of the whole point of Jesus' return is that we're supposed to be ready now at all right. times no matter exactly. what and what are we supposed to be doing that's the key. Who's the yeah. faithful and sensible slave whom his, fa his master put in charge of his household? You know, we are the ones, who Christians, who are, so to speak, put in, the, in charge of the kingdom here on earth. I mean, in a loose sense. 
kings and priests along with Christ in that loose sense. And we're to be preaching and teaching the gospel. That's what our job is, not to get bank accounts, not to get a bunch of stuff and healthy and wealthy and all this this idiocy that is, is taught. You know, God may want it for some people, but he may not want it for some people. So that's the whole point. And so one of the things, and I have to be careful when I say this, you know, I, I believe yeah. in post-tribulation rapture, and, and if you believe in pre, that's okay. Um, it's just, whatever, I'm not knocking it. Uh, I, I'm just not convinced of it. But one of the dangers, there's dangers for every position, okay? But one of the dangers of the pre-tribulation uh, position is that it can bring people to the place of not occupying. You know, I'm not going to worry about it because we're going to be raptured. Why get an education? Why do this? Why, you know... And we'll get raptured any day now, and they don't do anything. And the Bible says to, that's the opposite of what you're supposed to be doing. Keep going. Work. You know, if I knew that the Lord was going to come back exactly seven days from now, you know, I would be out there going door to door. Yeah. You know, I'm already on radio and internet. I'd be like, folks, he's coming back. You got pretty. I'd be doing it to get busy. That's what we have to be doing. But, uh, yeah. If it helps you, that, that helped me more than you know. Thank you very much, and God bless you. Well, God bless you, Matt. God bless. All right. That was Solomon from Florida. If, let's see, you guys want to give me a call? Three open lines? Two open lines. 877-207-2276. Let's get to Jeff from Iowa. Jeff, welcome. You're on the air. Hey, well, thank you. I listen to you all the time. I am so glad you do. At least that's one person. Good. <laughs> hey, um, I was—I've been raised um, to believe pre-trib okay. rapture, and also that the church is the bride of Christ. Yep. Now, I was doing some studying yesterday, and I came across Revelation twenty-one, okay. and it tells me something totally different. That the bride is actually the city of Jerusalem coming from heaven. And I was just wondering what, what you thought of all that. Um, words mean what they mean in context, all right? So we always have to to look at them. Just because the word bride appears in one place doesn't mean it means the same thing in somebody someplace else. Right. Okay, so we are the bride now, of Christ. Now, all right. Okay, because I, I see that in the Old Testament it says that the Jews were God's bride. Okay, hold on, we got a break, okay? But hold that thought. Okay. We'll be right back after these messages, okay, buddy? Hey, folks, we have one open line, 877-207-2276. We'll be right back. Please stay tuned. Matt Slick Live, taking your calls at 877-207-2276. Here's Matt Slick. All right, everybody, welcome back to the show. Let's get on the line with Jeff from Iowa. Hey, Jeff, you're welcome. I mean, hey, you're welcome. Oh, man. Uh, welcome. You're back on the show. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Sure. What do you got? All right, well, as I was saying, um, now I'm convinced that uh, he's not coming until uh, the end, 7th Trump. All right. But uh, I was still looking at the Bride of Christ, and I went back through the New Testament, and I see Paul referencing that he married us through his speaking. He married us to Jesus, and now we're fornicating with other Jesuses. 
but I, I figured that was just a metaphor. Well, and, and I know, can't really find anywhere. I always want to know the I'm verses sorry. for that because what what it's talking about here, the bride, the the analogy of the bride with the the church, is uh, is analogous to marriage, and adultery right. is is considered. Um, uh, uh, spiritual fornication or worshiping and serving other gods and so uh, sure. Jeremiah I believe where God issues Israel a writ of divorce for their idolatry which was a form of spiritual adultery so it's, it's a, it's right a, I came uh, across that also trying to get the answer for this okay. um, but it's just that uh, yeah the, the verses that I'm seeing you know John the Baptist says that he's Christ's friend not yeah. his his bride. Well, um, but you understand something. Just because he says he's his friend doesn't mean he's not in the bride situation set up. Ultimately, okay. Okay. don't don't make the mistake of thinking he says I'm a friend. If he says that, that doesn't mean he's something else. Okay. Right. I I was just trying to to see that. Well, because he's so clear on saying that Jerusalem has come down. That's the. Let me show you the bride. What is Jerusalem? Here, then he shows Jerusalem. you Jerusalem. What is right. the New Jerusalem? Well, that's it, it. It also says that it's paved with the saints' uh, cloaks because they're righteous uh -huh. or pure. Um, but uh, I've. But it says. But he this. also gives a physical description of you know the fifteen hundred mile square yes. coming down out of heaven and and but there it notice, is water coming out. Notice what it says in Revelation twenty one two. And I saw the holy city New Jerusalem coming down out of heaven made ready as a bride adorned as for a bride husband. right yeah it just doesn't mean it is the bride it's just you know it's really dressed up you know okay kind of um what about just down past that when uh i'll put you on speaker second reference because i do well, have these written down right here sure i mean let's be um and i the one who conquers will have this heritage i will be his god and he will be my son Mm -hmm. um, how can, can you be the son and the bride? I have to see the verse. I, I have to look at the exact okay, verse. That's, um, so that's uh, Revelation twenty-one, three to seven. Three to seven. Okay. Yeah. A loud voice well, from the this. throne saying, "Behold, the tabernacle of God is among men, and He will dwell among them, and they shall be His people, and God Himself will be among them. He'll wipe away all the tears. No longer be death. No more crying and pain. He sits on the throne, behold, making all things new." Uh, said so is done on the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give to the one who thirsts in the spring of water without cost. He who overcomes will inherit these things. I will be his God. He'll be my son. Uh, right. Okay. So in verse nine, it talks about the bride. Come here. I will show you the bride, the wife of the Lamb. That's the church. Okay. Well, that's what I was thinking. Here he's showing him the city, the wife of the Lamb. That's not quite the case, though. Well. I'm not sure what the issue is because in in Revelation twenty one nine, the bride's of the church, the wife of the lamb. You know, that's what that is. New Jerusalem okay. is adorned as a bride. It didn't say it is a bride. Right. Okay. Well, he says I I was just curious. He says I'll show you the bride, and then he takes him to a high mountain, and he showed him the city of Jerusalem coming down. Yeah. So, I guess there there isn't. Um, I, I was. Just, it was just like reading that and say, hey, we're, maybe we're not the bride, we're just the guest, because it fits with some parables where, you know, he goes out and just gets people to come into the wedding feast. Because, um, well, you know. 
This is a difficult area of scripture to interpret. Um, a lot of people won't pick up on this, but it says in verse 11 uh, that, uh, you know, I'll do 10. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain and showed me the holy city Jerusalem coming down out of heaven, having the glory of God. Her brilliance was like a very costly stone, as a stone of crystal clear jasper. In Exodus 24, 9 to 11, they went up, they see the God of Israel, and under his feet was a pyramid of sapphires clear as the sky itself, right. it says. So there seems to be something about the very nature of heaven and purity there, represented by stones, believe it or not. And then it talks about the yeah, 12 gates yeah, and the pearls. And, so it's just tough. And to gold. Yeah, it's tough. It's tough to, to interpret. Um, I wouldn't I wouldn't interpret it too literally in Revelation, because in order to understand Revelation, you have to go through the Old Testament. Like I just said, in verse 11, the crystal clear sure. jasper. Well, that's the, the place where the throne of God is in Exodus 24, 9 yeah. to 11. So what does that mean? You know, it really becomes involved. And a lot of times what people will do is they'll only read one little thing in, Jeru in Jerusalem, in Revelation, and say, that's what it means. You can't do that. you got to really do your homework. It's Consider the book of Revelation like a, a book of uh, the index to the entire Old Testament. And it wants references. Sure. You get to reference it. So, yeah. And I also look. I think it can stand alone, and and then everything else has to kind of match it, doesn't it? Yes, kind of. Yes, that's the idea. And you have to do research. If I were to study the right. Book of Revelation, I would expect a two-year study. If I were to do a book okay. study, yeah, a two-year study. That's just prepping. That's what I would expect. Sure. All right. Because well, yeah. Appreciate your time. And sure. You have a great day. You too, man. God bless. All right, let's get over with Demas from Utah. Demas, welcome. Demas, you're on the air. Are you there? I'm here. Okay, man. Matt? Okay. Hey, I got... Hi, man. Long-time listener, first-time caller. All right. Long-time Christian. And... But I have two questions for you if we have the time. Can you hear sure. me okay? Yeah, I can hear you fine. Okay, so my first question is... Uh, so... When I, I got into the Mormon Church and I was baptized in the Mormon Church, and and then I got out of the Mormon Church, uh, not because of what I know now, it's just because of my weaknesses. But I does that baptism? Does the baptism that I was baptized with in the Mormon Church, even though I did it truly believing that I did it before God and before Christ, is that yeah. acceptable? No. Before the Lord? No. Okay. It's not a true baptism. It's a false baptism in a non-Christian cult. So your baptism there has no bearing, has no relevance, it is not true, it has no efficacy. You need to be baptized in the true Trinitarian sense and get baptized ASAP. Very well. Okay. Sounds good. Thank you so much. Do you have time for one more question? Real fast. Okay. The dead in Christ. Um, when somebody dies in Christ, and the Bible says that we immediately stand before the Lord and we are judged, and those have, have, that have died with Christ pass from death to life. Um, do, do those souls, do those spirits, uh, the, spirit, the soul, does, does it, is it with Christ forever until He comes back with the church and all His angels, or, or, or are they allowed to come back and even show themselves as some people claim? No. No, there's a chasm between there and here. That's Luke 16, 19 through 20, uh, 31. They don't come back. 
All right, so those are familiar spirits that imitate lost loved ones, and it's for the purpose of deception. So when Christians die, they go to a place to be with the Lord. When the unbelievers die, they go to a bad place. The judgment later occurs, the Bema seat, the white throne judgment, things like that, where they're cast into eternal darkness and to eternal rewards. So that's way future, okay? Okay, Matrick, thank you so much. I appreciate your time. I appreciate you answering my call. Um, you, you truly, uh, uh, you're a blessing to many who, who hear you and, and follow your instruction. And well, thank God. you so much, and uh, let's talk soon again. Thank you, All right, man. man. Just get, go get baptized, okay? The Mormon baptism yes, does me and not my whole, count. my whole family, because we're, yes, me and my whole family, Matt. Now, now that I know, now, okay, for sure, yes, thank you. Okay. Matt, God bless you. All right, man. God bless. Again. I mean, talk to you again sometime. Thank okay. You. Okay. Bye. All right. Let's get to Craig from Texas. Craig, welcome. You're on the air. Oh, hey, man. How you doing? Oh, I'm doing all right. Hanging in there. What do you got, buddy? Yeah. All right. Hey, it's, it's ironic that the guy before you was talking about Mormonism. That's one of the things I was uh, calling about. And in the past year, I've talked with JWs before, and I kind of have a handle on how to interact and dialogue with them. But uh, tomorrow, I am going to get to. Uh, meet up with some Mormon missionaries in okay. their church. And really, what I need to know is generally what, what to expect as far as, okay. uh, you know, am I going into the lion's den? Um, no. no. You know, being aware of the terminology that they use and attempting to either confuse or what have you. garden variety we got a break coming up, so hold on. We'll come back after the break. We'll okay. talk about that. What to expect, okay? Okay. Right. Hey, folks, we have one open line, 877-207-2276. We'll be right back after these messages. It's Matt Slick Live, taking your calls at 877-207-2276. Here's Matt Slick. All right, buddy, welcome back to the last segment of the show. Craig, you're back on the air. All right. I don't know where I left off. Saying that, long story short, is that uh, tomorrow I'm going to go get to meet mm -hmm. up with some Mormon missionaries and, uh, I guess, shop, uh, shop talk and whatnot. And what I just need to know is... Uh, yeah, I've never What's interacted that? with Mormons before, mm -hmm. so what 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 to expect? Are you going into their their church, right? Yeah, they invited me there. Okay. So what I would do if I were you is is uh, just pray before you go in. Uh, you know, the right. night before, day before, with your wife, whatever. Just pray. Prefer the opportunity to be able to present them the true gospel. You're not going to get celestial cooties, okay? So go to the church. Right. Go a little bit early and ask to be shown around asked to show the building because the building is designed around their family ministry work they have a central area and it's worth uh, looking at the building and you'll see pictures of the blue uh, blonde hair black caucasian surfer jesus on the walls and if i were you i would even ask to go attend uh, on sunday and go to church go to mm. go with them on sunday don't cause any problems don't go to be disrespectful uh, just go sit and just watch and observe it. And uh, I want to tell you what you might observe or lack thereof, but I want to shade you. So I would recommend you do that. And then if, if you do, call back on Monday and tell me what you said. 
what you thought. Okay. I'd love, like to hear your impressions. We can compare notes. Because I've done this before at churches, at Mormon churches, many times. In fact, I've been asked to leave many times just by showing up. <laughs> You're Matt Slick. Yes, you have to leave. But I didn't do anything. <laughs> I'm just going to watch. No, you got to go. Okay. But uh, most of the time, what you're going to find is they're going to be very friendly. They're not there to deceive you. They are deceived, but they're good folks. You know, if you were to drive your car out yeah. there on the parking lot and you got a flat tire, they're going to help you, right? Yeah. They're, they're, they're decent people. They really are. Mormons are great folks in the, for the most part. I mean, there's jerks there like any place, you know. But oh, at yeah. any rate, so... Just listen to them. Take notes on what they're going to tell you. They're going to tell you about an apostasy. They're going to tell you how Joseph Smith restored the true gospel, et cetera, et cetera. Just take notes. And if you want to okay, confront them, so they them do then, have a sales pitch then. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. They have a they yeah, have okay. a routine that they go through, and uh, the the males okay. will talk to you, not the females, unless there's an unusual circumstance. Yeah. But uh, you know, and and they're not out there to hurt you. They're not out there to to do anything bad to you. They are there to help you. That's what their intention is. Now they're deceived. And they have a false God, right. a false Christ, false gospel. But um, you'll also find out that the average 19-year-old, 20-year-old Mormon missionary is very um, ill-prepared for any t- difficult questions. Okay. They don't study very much. They're just told the pitch, so to speak. Sometimes they have a manual they'll go through and they'll show you pictures, sometimes this and that. And, um, you know, I would just take notes. And even to the point where you don't, say anything just say well no i'm interested thank you for the information can i come to church on sunday they would love that and take more notes then you'll be ready to be able to witness to them a great deal better because you have to know what you're up against going to a mormon ward actually chapel is something i recommend people do you want to see what's there and see what's not there we'll see if you pick up on that if you if you go, call me up on Monday or Tuesday and, and let me know. But uh, yeah, that's what, definitely. That's what's you know, yeah, because I, I one thing I've been been kind of studying, you know, you know, watching or listening to Walter Martin, and as cool as he is, it's like I don't think these nineteen year olds have a foggiest clue of ninety percent of what he's talking about. So it'd be kind of fruitless no. to even go there. Yeah, and you know, I, I've met Walter Martin several times before he passed away, so I had that privilege of, of meeting him. But uh, yeah, I agree with you. They don't know much. I've met a few Mormon missionaries over the years who do know some stuff, but for the most part, they don't. And I'm not knocking them. Come on, I right. study. I study this stuff. They don't. And so, uh, right. You know, I don't expect them to, to know very many things. But after a couple of years of missionary, they've done their homework more and more. And they've learned more. So uh, you'll find them really, really nice guys and really helpful. Okay. Okay. Well, I'll just take that into advisement. And it, it's kind of the path that I was leading down. I was just uh, trying to trying to get more like a feel for you know yeah. for going into this. So. Okay. All right. Well, let me know what happens. Okay. I certainly will. All right. Call me on Monday. Let All me right. know. Either way. All right. Sounds All, good. All right. Thanks a lot, Matt. Okay, Craig. All right, let's get to Frank from Arizona. Hey, Frank, welcome. You're on the air. Hello? Hello. You're on the air with Matt Slick. Yeah. Yes, uh, I called about uh, Ephesians 5.11 pertaining to what's uh, going on in the government today. And if that applies to that, which I, I assume it does, 
Yeah, it's a very good verse. In fact, uh, it was written up on the board before, um, you know, before I picked up your call. I looked up the verse, and I'm going to memorize that verse, uh, Ephesians 5.11. Do not participate in the un- unfruitful deeds of darkness, but instead even expose them. You know, yeah. it's a it's a great verse, and the unfruitful deeds of darkness occur everywhere, in mm-hmm. our homes, in our churches, in our jobs, in our government. We need to uh, pick and choose how we do that, but we are called as Christians to expose uh, evil and to deal with it. Mm-hmm. It can be very costly. But here, the, the thing yeah. is that as Christians, what's unfortunately what's happening in Christianity today is see if I can summarize it we have a fragmented faith where people bicker and throw rocks at each other the the uh, the um, Christian firing squad is a circle they often go after is, their is own that, is that because of uh, the denominations that are all over well there's that uh, and because you know see, I went to a, a Lutheran college, a Presbyterian seminary, you know, attended Calvary Chapel. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I've been to Baptist churches, and there are good Christians everywhere. The secret mm-hmm. is to learn what the essentials are and keep our eyes on the cross and the blood that drained down on that wood to the dirt and saves us. Mm-hmm. That's what we need to focus on, this person and work in the sacrifice of Christ, not in pre-trib rapture, post-trib rapture. Not in Calvinism, non-Calvinism. We need to focus on those issues that are going to unite us, and then we need to march forward in righteousness together. The enemy of the gospel wants us divided. The denominations are a sad, sinful embarrassment in the Christian body as a whole, especially among Protestants. But what we need to do is be united. And not only the denominational problems, but there are (laughs) heresies being taught inside the Christian church. There's, one of the heresies is... Go ahead. Doesn't uh, limited atonement uh, come into play? Uh, I mean, I, I'm a believer that uh, it's all of Christ, and and he he's the one that draws us near, not, not uh, my choice, but his choice. Yeah, he draws and, us, John uh, 6, 44, and he grants that we come to Christ, John 6, 65, and he grants that we believe right. in 129, that is what the Bible says. But our our prayers are to ask God to to save others, and He uses us. We don't know how it all works. Mm. Our job is oh, to be faithful, and so that's what we do. That's mm. why you know I mm-hmm. witness a lot, I evangelize a lot. I'm always looking for opportunities to share the faith. Always, always. Now, in, in uh, doing the gospel, should that uh, limited atonement be brought up? Well, when you, when no, you, you don't, you don't need to bring up limited atonement. It's an in-house debate on whether or not Jesus mm-hmm. bore the sins of only the elect or every individual who ever lived. But uh, mm. no, I, you just just tell people, look, you need Jesus. You know, you need to repent of your sins. Yeah. You need to come to Christ. You need to trust in what Jesus Christ did. He's God in flesh. He died on the cross. He rose from the dead three days later. That resurrection proves who he is and proves that what he said right. is true. You need to trust in Christ. That's what we need to do. Not, and you you know, and if you've received Jesus, then your life will get healthy and wealthy, and everything will be nice. That's not true. No, no, you know? I know. You know, yeah, you know. So we need to be able to present that gospel message, and a lot of Christians don't even know what the gospel message is. 
Okay, could I ask you another question? Well, we've got two other callers waiting. They've been waiting a while, so let me get to them, okay? Call back Monday, all right? Uh, okay, will do. Thanks, man. Okay. All right, man. God bless. Hey, let's get to Al from Ohio, who we lost, and let's get to Joe from Aust- oh, man, from Australia. Hey, Joe. Welcome. You're on the air. Uh, hello, Matt. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. Yes, I can. What do you got, buddy? Yeah, hey, how you doing? Um, yeah, I just want to know simply what does baptism represent. So I have my brother in France who just got saved recently, um, and he didn't get baptized in the last minute because he thought that people were just getting baptized for the sake of it. So I was trying to explain to him what does baptism represent. Well, I believe it's a sign and a seal of the covenant of faith, covenant of righteousness that we have with God. So we're baptized as a public declaration, identification with Christ. And in Romans 4.11 it says that Abraham received the sign of circumcision, a seal of the righteousness of faith. So circumcision was a sign, but it was also a seal of the righteousness of faith which he had while uncircumcised. I bring this up because Paul in Colossians 2, 11 and 12, says, even uh, circumcised with a circumcision made without hands, having been buried with him in baptism. So Paul relates circumcision and baptism a lot. He really does, right there in, in Colossians 2, 11 and 12. Mm. So, since he does, and since Romans 4, 11 says that uh, circumcision is a sign, but a, and also a seal of the righteousness of faith, I affirm my belief is that baptism is a sign and it's a seal of the righteousness of faith which we have in Christ. It's the New Testament equivalent because circumcision uh, involves the shedding of blood on the male organ, federal headship, male representation, the shedding of blood, which is a, a typology of the sacrifice of Christ, the male, the man, headship. I could expand on it, but we don't have much time left. And so it's also a seal of the righteousness that is there in the covenant. That's that's an aspect there. And Paul mentions it's a seal of the righteousness of faith. So he was circumcised, uh, Abraham was, uh, while uh, he, you know, he believed, and he was circumcised there. A seal of the righteousness of faith which he had while uncircumcised. So Paul's making a special uh, point there. But So I think they're related. I don't know how, to exactly what extent but I believe that uh, baptism at the very least is a sign as well as a seal of the righteousness that we have in Christ. Amen. Um, <clears throat> now, thanks for that. I knew you've touched on how it's a seal in the past, and I, yeah, I definitely agree. Um, is it accurate to say that baptism represents you dying to the old man and rising again to the new man? It can. It, it can represent that out of Ephesians 6, 4, 5, and 6. talks about that. Because it says in Ephesians 6 that we were crucified with Christ, and in Ephesians 4 we were buried with him also. Well, if we were buried with him, a lot of people think that just means baptism, but not necessarily so, since it says we were crucified with him. And I think that what's interesting is when we go to Romans chapter 6, I'm going to go quickly because we're running out of time, but you know, if you read it, yeah. our old self was crucified with him, verse 6, and we've been buried with him through baptism in verse 4. Is it his baptism or our baptism? Just something to think about. But at least, very least, we're identified with Christ. And we're out of time. We can't really get into it too much. Call back Monday, okay, buddy? All right? No, thank you. And I'm a donor from Australia. Thanks for the encouragement. All right. 
Okay, then. God bless. Hey, folks, we're out of time. May the Lord bless you. Have a great weekend. And by His grace, we'll be back on here on Monday. We'll talk to you then. See you. Bye.